Good morning. Good morning. Oh, sunshine and bright. Step out the door and surprise you how chilly it is this morning. Yeah. Feels pretty good though after some of those hot days we had. Good to see everybody here this morning. Amen. God is good. All the time. All the time. God is good. Oh, praise Him. Not much in the way of announcements this morning. We, uh, you know, you, you have the bulletins, you can read them off yourself. I'm sorry about the uh, light print on the bulletins, but we need uh, one One machine doesn't work at all, and the other one needs uh, ink, yeah, or whatever that stuff is. Toner. The Xerox. Hmm. I'll tell you about it later. It's uh, interesting. Uh, let's see. Six-man quartet would like to get together next Sunday morning and uh, start working on some Christmas songs. And we'll have more more information about Christmas music starting next week. Do we have any birthdays this morning or this week? Nobody got them all last week, I guess. <clears throat> Excuse me. How about uh, anniversaries? No anniversaries. In that case, let's uh, continue to praise the Lord. Turn to number 13. Stand and sing, please.
number 166, Sweet Hour of Prayer. Yes, Father God, we thank you so much for the privilege we have to be here in your house this morning. Lord, we are blessed with that sweet hour of prayer, the time that we get to share with you. Lord, it is so blessed. Lord, we ask that this morning, this service, be a time of that sweet hour of your presence, of being in your presence, of lifting up exaltation to you of being lifted above all the cares of this world bless us lord with your presence we ask it in jesus name 
Our Father, Maybe seated. Our communion hymn this morning is number 247, The Old Rugged Cross.
Klamik has our meditation this morning. Victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. Amen. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing blood. That time-honored chorus speaks volumes. Notice it does not say victory for Jesus, rather victory in Jesus. Amen. It was not Jesus who needed a victory. It was not Jesus who had a sin problem. It was not Jesus who was powerless against death. It was not Jesus who helplessly separated from God. But God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son to accomplish what we could not. Conquer sin and death. Restoring man's relationship with God. We can be victor. Victorious in Jesus because the victory was for us. A profound expression of God's undying love for his children. When we come together for Holy Communion, we reflect on Christ's life and what it has meant to us as individuals and what it means to us as a body. Today we celebrate this glorious resurrection, evidence that he was all that he said he was and that he is able to save that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that he is love, that he is the word, that he is the light, that he is a good shepherd, our king, our priest, our God, and our salvation. With communion, we recognize that victory was not free. It came at a price. Jesus willingly suffered unspeakable humiliation and pain on the cross. It cost a broken body and innocent blood to be poured out for the redemption of sins. We remember his broken body with the bread. We remember his blood poured out for us with the cup. By doing this, we proclaim his death and claim victory in Jesus. This invitation is over 2,000 years old and issued directly from Jesus himself. Jesus said, believe in me. Jesus said, follow me. Jesus said, remain in me. To some, he might be saying, return to me. This is how we can all claim victory in Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us to gather here today to celebrate victory. Thank you for bestowing on us your many blessings. Thank you for your victorious son who suffered, died, on the cross and rose three days later. Amen. Let's take a few moments to uh, to meditate on what John has said and to uh, to come face to face with our Lord.
when Jesus and his disciples were gathered in the upper room to eat the Passover meal. Jesus took bread and blessed it, broke it, gave it to me each of them, saying, This is my body broken for you, eat ye of it. And likewise the cup after they had eaten, Jesus giving thanks passed it among them saying, this is the new covenant in my blood poured out for the remission of sins. As often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me until I come again. Drink of it, all of you. Stand for the doxology. singing about the cross this morning the uh, scripture and the uh, and the sermon will be based on Jesus Jesus crucifixion and uh, this next uh, next hymn is number 301 at the cross
be seated. Were you there when they crucified my Lord?
Good morning. Isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord? Well, for those of you who were able to make it to the Spiritual Warfare Conference, it was awesome. I thought it was anyway. I really uh, was really blessed during that time to be able to be a part of that. And I hope that you were too. And not to mention that the chili was really good too. (laughs) Well, I did have one thing I wanted to share with you all. Uh, The ladies meet here on Tuesday mornings at 9 o'clock when... Uh, Herman and Mark and I are supposed to be leaving, uh, which we often forget they're coming. (laughs) But they gave me this card, and I thought, really, cards should go to the whole church, but I really appreciate it. Uh, It was a a card of appreciation. It says, God uses ordinary people with open hands and willing hearts who trust him to provide the grace for whatever he calls them to do. God is using you. And that makes you an inspiration and a blessing. Thanking him for you. And it has uh, scripture. uh, Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it. Hebrews 4, uh, 16, New Living Translation. So that was a card of appreciation for them being able to use our uh, facility here. On Tuesday morning. So uh, that's a thank you for all of us. (laughs) So, all right. Now we're continuing on here in the Gospel of Matthew, and we're getting close to the end of it. And here today we are uh, covering the crucifixion of Jesus, beginning uh, in verse 32. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. In the same way, the chief of priests and the teachers of the law and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the rebels 
who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. So there's a lot going on here in this passage. More than just the crucifixion. The crucifixion, you know, we've seen this whole scene where it played out that here Jesus, you know, was uh, in the upper room when he had the first uh, change the Passover meal to the Lord's Supper. And there we celebrated that this morning and were reminded uh, very well by John the true meaning behind this. And so here we have this uh, scene where, you know, he he told them, one of you is going to betray me. Then uh, he revealed who it would be to John. And then later on we saw that played out when Judas Iscariot came back to where he was praying in the garden and brought the soldiers with him and betrayed him with a kiss. And then they took Jesus and they arrested him and they took him before the high priest where he was accused of blasphemy. Then they took him, they decided he deserved death and since they couldn't do that on their own, they took him before Pilate, the governor. And Pilate kept trying to tell them, I see nothing wrong. With this man, I find no guilt in him. But still they persisted. He even offered another in his place. He, He offered to allow Jesus to be released, but they took the other Jesus, Jesus Barabbas. And have you ever thought about those three crosses that were already there prepared. The third one was actually prepared for the other Jesus. But that substitute took place. Here Jesus was, innocent, and the very charge that he was charged with, the king of the Jews, was a true statement. Not only is he king of the Jews, but he's king of all. Lord of lords, king of kings. He had committed no sin of any kind ever in his entire 33 years of life. But they decide and push and they manipulated Pilate until he said, okay, I wash my hands of this. I'm free of his guilt. And they said, let his guilt fall on us and on our children. Well, it did. And then he released him after beating him severely, having him beaten severely. He thought that even then they might change their mind, that that was enough of a punishment. They could be done with it. And so then they kept screaming, crucify, crucify, crucify. 
And so Pilate surrendered. All right, you take care of it. You see to his death. And so they gladly did. But, you know, Jesus had been beaten so severely that he was weakened to the point to where, you know, in, in, in all reality, had he not been the son of God, probably uh, he would have died just from the beating. I, for those of you who have seen the passion of the Christ, you've seen the cruelty, this mocking. Even while they were beating him, they were mocking him. And that beating was a whip, a special whip that was made with sharp objects attached to the ends, nine cat and nine tails, with sharp objects, bone, metal, glass, whatever they had. It was ripping the flesh, the very flesh from his body. Big tears. Pulling skin loose. And what they showed on the Passion of the Christ was probably mild compared to how it really was. And so Jesus went through all of that before they finally decided to crucify him. And as they are leading him away, it would have been the tradition for them to have put the crossbeam on his shoulders, on his back. And he would have, like the other two criminals, required to carry that crossbeam. But, like I said, he had already been weakened so much by the beating he had taken that he could barely stand. And so they found this man, this stranger coming through town. And they, they grabbed him and they said, okay, you, you, you help him carry that. Bean. Can you imagine being, Cyrene, uh, uh, being this Simon from Cyrene? What? I didn't do anything wrong. What do you want? I don't want involved in this. Leave me alone. Get over here. Carry it. He didn't have an option in it. He was not given an option. He was forced to carry this cross, not just for Jesus so much as with Jesus, because it still would have been attached to Jesus' uh, shoulders. They would have tied it to him. And so here Simon comes along and helps hold Jesus up while he holds the beam. You know, we have always been told, or at least I was always told, Christ carried his own cross. Well, he did. He had help, but he did carry his own cross. Simon was only helping him. He did not do it. He didn't take it from him. He just assisted him while he did it because he was too weakened to do it on his own. And, you know... You think about how cruel this was, but even while he was stumbling trying to carry this, people were still laughing and mocking, saying, hey, get up. What's the matter with you? <laughs> You're the son of God. You have no limitations to what you can do. Get up. Prove it. And 
and on and on and on. You know, the devils were having a heyday during that. They were, they were loving that. They were using all of this crowd, all of these people to carry out their will. And Satan thought he was about to have a great victory by having Jesus crucified. He thought, man, I tried to kill him as a baby and he got away, but now I got him. I'm going to get rid of this son of God. He did temporarily, but he came back. (laughs) He didn't know it, but that was all a part of the plan. Simon helped him carry, and they went to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of a skull. Now, I don't know how many of you have seen pictures of the place where, uh, where, where they say is this place where Jesus was crucified, but you literally, it looks like a human skull in the side of this mountain. Now, they were, in theory, at least, <laughs> these three were crucified on top of that mountain. But looking at it, it looks like there is a human skull, a huge human skull right in the side of this thing. And it, it, it's no wonder they called it that, if in fact that is the correct place. But there's no other places that look like that. So I can't imagine them being wrong about that name and that place. But it says then that they offered Jesus wine to drink, but it was mixed with gall. Now, we don't know what this gall is exactly, but the suspicion is that it was either myrrh, which is very bitter, or some type of drug for numbing so that he could last a little longer. It's even more cruel, actually. You know, he had to have been thirsty after all that beating and all uh, the carrying this, uh, this beam that far and going through the crucifixion. All of that, struggling to breathe while he's hanging there. And then they put this uh, in a sponge, dip it and put it on the end of a spear and then raise it up to his mouth. And he would have drank had it just been wine, it seems like. But when he tasted that it had gall in it, he spit it out. Why? Because it was required for him to feel every bit of the pain for you and for me. He was required to pay in full the entire debt for your sin and mine. That's the whole purpose of all that he did was he was taking our place. You know, let's just say that together, only say taking my place. Let's say it together. Jesus took my place on the cross. Yeah, did you ever say that out loud to yourself? Isn't that kind of, man, makes you want to cry because he did so much for me. You know, you would think that after beating him the way they did, mocking him the way they did, crucifying the the way they did, that would have been enough. But no, they weren't done yet. They still had to mock him. 
Come down. Come down off of that cross if you're the son of God. Oh, you see, you could save everybody, but you can't save yourself. Yeah, right. But in the process, he was saving everyone by staying on the cross. But they could not grasp that idea because they were influenced by demons. They could not see the truth. And many of them never saw the truth. Many people today never see the truth in this. And therefore they die in their sins. They never accept that Jesus received their punishment for them so they don't have to when they leave this world. Oh, it's just too easy. All I have to do is believe. I I can't buy that. I can't buy that. Well, let's say that you have a, uh, a wealthy friend. And this wealthy friend sees that you have a need of a new automobile. So one day you come home and there's one sitting in the driveway with the keys in it and a note that says, I knew you needed this, so I wanted to help. Now, do you accept it or do you give it back? I mean, what do you do? I I mean... You know, you're you're grateful, you you want it, you definitely know you need it. But at the same time, it's like, okay, what's this going to cost me in the long run? (laughs) Uh, You know, what, what strings are attached to this? All kinds of thoughts go through our minds rather than just saying thank you. (laughs) Now, the point is, we do that same thing with the gift that God has offered us. The salvation through Jesus Christ. Offered, paid for in full by what we are talking about while he was on the cross. And he says, here's the gift. Just accept it. Just believe that I did this for you. Put your faith in me and obey what I say from now on. This is your gift. Now, do we accept it or do we reject it or do we... We sit there and wonder, what's this going to cost me in the wrong run? Uh, I mean, so many thoughts the devil wants to put through our minds. Instead of just saying, wow, I need this. Thank you. It's simple, but it's not easy. You see, it cost us nothing because it cost him everything. He gave it all so that we could have it all. Have you received it? Have you truly accepted what all Jesus did for us on the cross? When we take this communion every week as a reminder, do you really realize what that means? Do we really stop to think about what all that cost was? When his blood was shed, when he was pierced with the nails, and then he hung there, already beaten so severely, he was unrecognizable, the Bible says, as a human being. He was so swollen, he would have been so swollen that you couldn't tell that it was even Jesus. Mary knew it was her son, but 
everybody else probably kind of questioned, is that really him? He went through all that and hung there with that misery, struggling to breathe until he had paid everything that had to be paid to satisfy the wrath of God, the judgment of God. And then he said, I commend my spirit into thy hands. And he breathed his last. And he died. We'll cover that more next week. But folks, these two rebels that were crucified with him, that was even more of an insult. You know, here he, he was holy, the holy of holies. And... Anyone who is hung on a tree is cursed. So he took the curse for us. These other two, we know that they were guilty. They were guilty for the crime. They deserved the punishment, just like you and me. We deserved that punishment too. Never forget that. We deserve hell. If If it weren't for Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross, what we're talking about, and us putting faith in that, we would get what we deserve. We would burn in the flames of hell being eaten by worms for all of eternity. I don't know about you, but that don't sound too fun to me. But Jesus loved us. So much. The Father loved us so much, he sent Jesus. And Jesus loved us so much that he took all of that suffering for us so that we don't have to. Hallelujah. (laughs) Wow. Wow. No wonder we say God is good. All the time. Wow. These two thieves or insurrectionists, they may have been in cahoots with Barabbas, Jesus Barabbas, we don't know. And they may have all three been caught together and we're all going to be crucified together. But things got changed when Jesus Christ was brought before Pilate. All these insults. You think about the things that they said. Even saying, if you really are the son of God. Basically what they were saying is, is if you really are the son of God, prove it. Prove it. Now, I'm ashamed to say this, but I have to say it to be truthful and honest. There was a time in my life when I wanted Jesus to prove to me that he was the son of God. You know what happened? Nothing. (laughs) He doesn't have to prove himself. He already did. He proved himself on this cross. He proved himself by what he went through and then rose from the dead. Let me see you do that. God proved he he was 
when he made everything that exists from nothing. Let me see you do that. We need sometimes to be reminded. He's God. I'm not. It's not about what I want. It's not about what I think. It's not about what I like. Everything is about him. Everything evolves around God, and one day we will be judged according to that. And if we're not in part of that revolution, evolution with him, we're going to be in the wrong place. So I asked this morning, where do you stand? Where are we? Are we a part of that that's evolving around God? Are we evolving with that circle around God? Revolving, however you say that. <laughs> uh, are we a part of that? Making him the center of our life, everything focused on him. And folks, unless we are in this word every day, unless we are talking to him every day, we will not stay in tune with him. This is how we get reminded. And on our knees is how we lift up our prayer and our praise and how we ask for God to intervene in other people's lives and in our own lives. It's not a momentary thing that we can do on occasion. It's not just about coming to church on Sunday. Every moment of every day. Folks, I don't know about you, but in my Bible it says that in heaven we're going to continuously be praising God. Non-stop praise of God. Why don't we practice that a little bit here and now? So we won't feel out of place when we get there. If you have a need this morning, just mind the Lord and come as we sing. Brother Bob. Our invitation hymn this morning is number 370. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Stand and sing.
Brother Mitch, do you have anything else for us this morning? Praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> you may be seated. <laughs> 